welcome to Acuro Out Loud, the home of the podcast for the charity Acuro Care Services, supporting people with a disability in West Essex. Welcome to the latest episode of Acuro Out Loud. Um, I'm here, the communications officer at Acuro, and I'm joined by my wonderful colleagues, Amy Connolly, who is the operations and development manager at Acuro and uh, Louisa Bowden, who is the Loughton Youth Group Coordinator and, as of the last few weeks, is also our Community Engagement Officer. And I'm delighted that this month we have a guest host, it's Mel Byron, who is a trainer, speaker and comedian. And you specialise in confidence teaching, which is what we're here to talk about today. Um, So I'll hand over to Mel. Welcome to the podcast, Mel. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you very much, Katie, and thank you for having me and allowing me to guest host a Curo Out Loud. Uh, it's very exciting. Um, so as Katie says, I am uh, I'm a speaker coach specifically. I'm also a writer and a comedian. Uh, I'm absolutely thrilled to be here because I love no- nothing better than to talk, um, especially, <laughs> in, especially in public. And, and that's the thing that I, when I coach people in confidence, that's, that's the, the means by which I do it. We're looking at people's confidence and skills in the world of public speaking. And it's lovely to be joined by the three members of the Akuro team. What I was going to do, Katie gave a little introduction to each of you. What I was going to do is I'm going to throw it open to you guys to uh, give me a little bit more. So let's start by asking you, I'm going to ask you this very specific question. Um, How do you feel about stepping out of your comfort zone, Katie? Honestly, um, I really don't like it, but I know that it's good for me going forward. I, I've, I don't want to kind of live my life in fear of things. So I hate the prospect of it, but I know that I need to do it to sort of change my ways and just better myself, really, and not to, to get rid of that fear, because I, I hate that that sort of controls me at times. Absolutely, absolutely. I quite agree with that. And would that be the same if we were talking about public speaking? Yeah, that's one of my worst. I even said to my, because I recently did a skydive for Kiro, and I said to a colleague at work the other day, I'd rather do another one of those than actually stand up in front of a large crowd and speak. So that that just shows how, how yeah, scared I get before anything like that. But I have got experience of doing it. It's just, yeah, the lead up is excruciating for me I hate it <laughs> but you still do it and I think that's I the important it, yeah. point and it's interesting what you said about comparing it to the skydive <laughs> because there is a statistic you've probably heard this it gets bandied about the more people are afraid of public speaking than are actually afraid of dying um, really? yeah, apparently that is the case <laughs> and I was thinking of the comedian Jerry Seinfeld who had a great joke about it. So he said that at any funeral, the person giving the eulogy would rather actually be in the box. Um, that's very dark, very black, but yeah. you can understand, I can completely understand but it. That makes me feel better, yeah, because I feel like sometimes I'm really alone with it. Um, but Not yeah. at all. Apparently 73% of us suffer from what is known as glossophobia. Glossophobia, big fancy word, it just means fear of public speaking. So that's 73%. So, so by, sorry, sorry. It's very high, isn't it? It is very high. So by statistically, uh, there's four of us on this call. That means that nearly three of us are terrified 
of of public speaking and and that's a real shame well it's us three because you <laughs> <you're laughs> not you now so yeah it's which three <laughs> yeah. that's another game we could have played with our listeners so amy yeah. tell me about your your comfort zone so i think i really like the idea of stepping out of my comfort zone and i will build myself build myself up but then when it gets to it i really struggle to go through with it um, I get sweaty palms, <laughs> literally, I start sort of hyperventilating, I get very anxious, I can feel my chest sort of getting tighter, and I'm trying to like draw that back, and I, I find that I sometimes can't, and then if I then carry on and go through with it, I find myself just waffling, and probably not making sense, um, so a lot of the times I will stop myself from probably from stepping out of my comfort zone, like I said, I'd it sounds great and it sounds like, yeah, I really want to do that. It sounds brilliant. But when I get to it, there's a barrier, there's a wall and I can't always get over that wall. Um, it depends what it is. I think if it's something that I'm, I feel like I'm good at, I will try and push myself to do it because I think, well, why not? If it's something I, I like doing or something that I'm no well, why, why wouldn't I do it? But if it's something completely that I'm not aware of or don't have any knowledge of, then I definitely try to divert it to somebody else mm -hmm. to do it's really and with public speaking I think oh sorry no no I it was it was, very, it was interesting what you were saying because uh you know that whole sweaty palms thing and uh the hyperventilation and stuff again um, you might think that you're the only person that suffers from that but actually uh loads of people suffer from that and, and these are kind of signals that your body is giving it. It's your brain is giving your body signals that you're under threat. So there's yeah. a little thing at the back of your brain called the amygdala. And that's like your uh, brain's burglar alarm. So it's going off because something is terrible is about to happen to you. And if you think about it, it really isn't anything terrible. No. Uh, but your brain is your brain, which on the one hand is a marvelous thing and is capable of so much. On the other hand, has not developed in some ways since prehistoric times when we were actually under threat from, I don't know, saber toothed tigers walking into the cave and things. And so your brain is going, oh, my God, I'm under threat. Oh, no, what's going to happen to me? And that invokes your fight, flight or freeze mode. And of course, you're not really under threat. I mean, nobody has ever died of being a public speaking and making a fool of themselves. I mean, not that you would make a fool of yourself. I've got to point that out very clearly. Uh, I probably would, to be honest, but yeah. <laughs> but it's your brain is giving you the wrong signals. And, and one of the things I do as a speaker coach is kind of try and reframe those those signals and reframe what's going on in your head. And we'll come to that in a bit, because I think it's really interesting, because if you can change what goes on inside your head, and for the benefit of people listening, I am actually pointing to my head as I say this. If you can change what's going on inside your head, then you can make it easier. I, I don't think you can fully 100% make those things feelings go away I mm. I still get a little bit you know a little bit of a free son and and before we started recording everybody's going oh I'm a little bit nervous about doing this and that's fine and you know what it's because we've got a stake in it isn't it we want to do a good job if we didn't want to do a good job we'd be like oh let's just do this whatever and yeah. so having those nervous feelings part of that 
reframe of the narrative for me is thinking, wow, this really matters to me. I really want to do a good job. And it's interesting what Katie was saying about, I, I feel those feelings, but I, I know I've just got to go ahead and do it and I don't stop myself mm -hmm. from doing it. And that's part of the, the reframe and the changing the narrative as you go, here it comes, and you go and yeah. do it anyway. But we'll come to the waffly bit because there, there's tactics for that as well, Amy. Oh, she's getting a pen now and paper there, right? <laughs> or a water. Yeah, keep hydrated. It's a good thing. Louisa, <laughs> you sat there quietly in the background. Tell me, what about it, your... It's company? been hard to be quiet, if you know me. It's actually <laughs> quite hard to have been quiet for five minutes. But I'm I'm, I'm intentively listening to, to everyone's discussions. I have similar feelings uh, on, on both the issues. I'm, I'm more comfortable stepping out of my comfort zone than I am public speaking. That Those are two very different things. Okay. I mean, obviously, public speaking is stepping out of my comfort zone, but when, when I'm asked to do something, usually that's different. I kind of immediately think, mm, not sure about that. And then I quite like being pushed out of my comfort zone because um, I get bored quite easily. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, public speaking is it's interesting because I've taken on a role that is going to include public speaking. So um, <laughs> yay for me. <laughs> ah, so you'll be doing more and more uh, public speaking, meeting people, present doing presentations and so on. Yeah, so I mean, probably like many of us, meeting people on a one-to-one -one or in a small group of four or five people is, is not a problem for me, especially if I'm talking about something like a QO. It comes very easily. Um, if I was to have the, the same conversation in front of 30 people, there is definitely when all those fight or flight starts to kick in. And it, why, why is that? <laughs> it's really interesting, isn't it, Louisa? It's really interesting because you're saying, you know, just here now, what, what each of you have done uh, when I asked you a question was you gave me a little presentation it didn't feel like a presentation because we were just in a relaxed situation, just the four of us on Zoom, uh, just having a nice chat. And it didn't feel like a presentation. And so what often happens is I might, so for example, I might say, okay, imagine we were in a room with 20 people and I was going around the table asking people that question. And I, I picked you out and said, Louisa, go and do that in front of the whole group. It's almost like, it's like a drain. It's like somebody takes the plug out and every piece of knowledge and confidence just drains out of our bodies. Absolutely. And even though you're the expert, because it's interesting, Louisa, you're saying, oh, I'm talking about a curo, and that's what I know, and that's what I love. And, and you feel absolutely confident talking about that to all of us here. But I say, stand up in front of that room and just say the same thing. It's mm -hmm. like you forgot all of it. I've even had that experience that you just described where we were asked to sit in a room and even the waiting for my turn to come round was where all of those feelings that Amy had described started to kick in. So by the time I stood up, I was a blubbering mess. Um, it, luckily, I was talking about estate agency, which is I'm grateful is now in my past. <laughs> but um, I'm hoping I won't have the same feelings when I'm talking about a curo because... I know ultimately people are going to be rooting for me to to do well. So, and I've just got to, you know, take a leaf out of Katie's book and get on with it. <laughs> Feel the fear and do it anyway. Absolutely. And that, is, that is literally what we need to do, I think. Um, confidence, confidence is described in the dictionary as uh, your faith in your own ability to do things. 
And so you're, you have ultimate faith in your ability to do your job, to, to know the things that you know. But where the disconnect comes is when we come to public speaking, it's like, yeah, well, I've got faith in, in knowing my subject, but please don't ask me to talk about my subject yeah. in front of people. And so this is, this is a weird kind of area where you're still the expert. And, but I, I think, Louisa, it's very interesting what you say. And I think you're absolutely right. Everybody is rooting for you. Nobody comes to hear you speak. Nobody is in a situation where you might be talking to them where they've said to themselves, oh, should we go and, should we go and hear that woman talk? Because it's going to be awful, isn't it? Should we go? Oh, it's going to be a car crash. Nobody does that. Nobody's got time. Yeah. People want what you have. And we have to remember that. And I think particularly as women, and, and I'm sorry to bring gender into it, but I do think particularly as women, we undervalue what we know. We kind of think because we know it, it's not that important. It's not that difficult. And probably everybody knows it anyway. And I see that happen time and time again. So, well, you know, it's it's not that difficult. Well, it's not rocket science. Well, it doesn't have to be rocket science. But also, even if it was rocket science, you'd know it and we don't. So if I go to listen to someone, I, I'm, I'm on their side because there's something for me in it. And I think that's what we need to be kind of thinking about is always putting yourself in the audience's position. And I'm saying audience in the broadest sense of the term. I don't mean you're going to stand up in the, you know, the Albert Hall in front of 5,000 people. But anybody who's listening to you, they're there for a reason. And the reason usually is what's in it for me. Yeah. And so you have to think about what they're there for. And so when you're asked to talk about your topic, talk about what you're interested in, you have to think about it from their point of view. And, and if they're not getting something out of it, it's because you're not talking about it from their point of view. So that's, that's something that in your preparation stage uh, is, is something that's got to be right at the top of your mind is why are they there? The big question is why? Why are they there? Why do I do this? Why are we all here together in this room? And, and what are we all going to get out of it at the end of the day? And you get what you want out of it by them getting what they want out of it. So if, for example, you're presenting because you want them to, you're raising funds, for example, you know, they, want, they want to give funds, but they want to get something out of it as well. You know, that feeling of having contributed or whatever. And, and by do by giving them that, saying, you know, your fun, for example, I'm, I'm, I'm just plucking something out of the air here. You know, the, what, your donations will help us to do this, to achieve this. And then people have that, that warm feeling of that's what I'm getting out of it. I have helped to achieve this. Akuro gets what it needs out of it. So you have to start thinking about, always thinking about why are they here? What do they want? Um, and to go Thank back to, to Katie's point as well, and, you know, I was talking about reframing your thinking, and I genuinely believe that for most of us, we never fully get rid of that slight frisson of slight nervousness. But if you don't have that, I would question whether you're invested enough in it. Yeah, Are you invested okay. enough in the yeah. process? If you walk in and go, yeah, whatever, I'll just do it. Yeah, yeah. it's not a problem. Does it matter enough to you? And if it doesn't matter enough, you're not going to get results. 
So you just got to push through it. You got to feel, oh, you know, the, the tingly, the sweaty palms, Amy. Yeah. I just think, here we go. We're, we're, we're ready to rock and roll. Somebody taught me a great uh, acronym once, and I think it's, it's really worth thinking about. F-E-A-R spells fear, but also stands for feeling excited and ready. Because if you think about it, those feelings, that sweaty palms and all the, the, the breathlessness, or sometimes that's the same thing we feel when we're excited, like when we're little kids on Christmas morning and, oh, I'm really excited, what's going to happen? It, it, there's, there's a similar kind of physical thing going on. So what we're saying is, oh, okay, here comes the energy, here comes my good energy, and I'm ready to rock and roll. And, so you're saying and also, we should accept it, accept yeah, that feeling when it comes and use, use it. Maybe Except, redirect it into the book. I was about to say, redirect it to yeah. a positive rather than... Exactly that, exactly that. And eventually it will diminish. It will diminish because you won't you won't be conscious of it so much. And, and, and I think you're both right. I think both Amy and Louise, you both said in those moments before you start to speak, that is obviously when it kicks in at its most. But once you get going... Yeah, you'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, no problem here at all. But it's it is those those few moments beforehand. But that's when you need to kind of just take take time for yourself, just slow your breathing down and just get yourself in the right zone. I'm a great believer in getting in the zone. Uh, I listen to kind of loud music on my headphones, it gets me all you know ready to rock and roll and and just slow your breathing down as well but yeah feel the fear and do it anyway know it's coming understand it and kind of go okay brain i hear what's happening let's go ahead let's do it we're going to do this and we're going to do exactly what Katie said you know we're, <clears throat> i can't move forward unless i do this so i'm just going to do it just wondering mel actually do you use the loud music to kind of clear your head or, yes i do and focus yeah. you because that's Another thing, it's just I've got everything running through, you know, if it's for a presentation or an interview, all the things I want to say, but then I actually find that's actually less helpful because then you end up blurting it all out into some kind of confusing mess than focusing. So this is and, and that's a very interesting point. And I think Amy's touched on this as well, this whole idea of, you know, just, yeah. just sort of verbal diarrhea, just yeah. everything comes out. And and it's important to know what you want to say but it's also important to minimize what you want to say. I think economy is always your friend, isn't it? What we want to do as speakers, and I don't know if you agree with it, because when, I, when I'm working with people, I work, the way I work is we have three things that we focus on, three pillars, if you will. So first we look at the mindset, like we've been talking about now, what goes on in here. And then the second thing is we, we talk about, and we spend a lot of time on this, talking about storytelling how we use storytelling to actually convey our message. And stories in a time-honored fashion have a set structure. Basically your beginning, your middle and your end, but it, your story breaks down into three. And that's what we need to be thinking about. Always thinking about a rule of three, three is your lucky number, and then starting with your story. So. In, in a story, traditional story, you set the scene, you tell us where you are, what the problem is, what's happening. Then you tell us about the journey, the solutions. And then at the end, there's a kind of happy ending. Often when you're giving a presentation, what you're doing, the happy ending is when you're actually asking for something. Um, so, you, you know, you have a very clear call to action. 
But what you need to always do is be really thinking about just three things that you need to say, three points, not like everything I want to say. Um, okay, here's let me let me go back a bit. Um, here's a question for you. You've been asked to speak for 15 minutes. How many minutes worth of content are you going to prepare? <laughs> Uh, the answer's, the yeah. answer's not 30, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. 10 minutes? Yeah, yeah, definitely, Amy. I would say always knock around 20% off the time because what happens is that some people think, oh, well, I, I, I'm not going to fit in everything I'm going to say. I'm just going to say it anyway, and you prepare everything. What you need to do is under-prepare in terms of length of time which means then you have to start cutting. And, and I know you've mentioned before, Amy, this is a problem, the waffly thing, is you have to know three key things. If you can distill your message down into three key points where you're telling the story in three key points. So we're opening the story. So what, what position are we in? What's okay, <clears throat> the example I use is Archimedes' principle. So in science, Archimedes' principle states that an object submerged in water displaces the volume of water equal to blah, 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 blah. I can't remember the whole thing. But I can remember that back in the third century BC, the king of Syracuse has a crown and the crown is gold, but maybe it isn't gold. Maybe the, the jewelers diddled him and mixed silver in. And the only way to find out is he gives the, the crown to Archimedes and says, you find out if the crown is silver and gold or just gold, but you can't break the crown. And so poor Archimedes goes through all these experiments um, and you know you can elaborate on the experiments until at the end he gets fed up, sits in the bath, the water flops over the edge and he goes, that's the solution, Eureka. And I can remember that because it's a story and you can elaborate on that story as much as you want. Um, but the science bit, usually I have to read it off a card because I can't remember the science. Something about weight, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and it's like, it's over my head. I'm not a physicist. But, you know, stories connect us. It's easier to remember a story from both sides. So if you want to talk about the good work that you do, you talk about it in terms of the successes and the things that you've done and the things that you have achieved. And you can remember it. And as a listener, I can remember it. And that's the important thing is to just have, I, I genuinely live by rule of three. I think it's a good rhythm and you'll find lots of things in the world are in threes, you know, traffic lights, red, green, amber, you know, we say ready, steady, go. Yeah, three, three is a really good rhythmic number. So three good examples. And then people will remember those. And most importantly, you will remember them. <laughs> and it's connecting. So telling stories is connective, whereas giving me facts isn't connective. If you're telling me something that I could read on a spreadsheet or from an email, it kind of almost isn't worth you talking does that does that make sense yeah 100 so yeah. many good tips and we're only a few minutes in we're a few minutes <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I i used to work in publishing like katie and i used to sit in meetings 
where people would literally read out the contents of a spreadsheet and they go, oh, Waterstones is X percent up on last year. Amazon is X percent. You think, why are you saying this? I can read it. What I want yeah. to know is the context. I want the story around those things. What we did with Waterstones this year, which helped to increase our business, was X. Yeah. And so that's Actually what I learned want something from it. Yeah. To learn. So as, as the listener, I want to get some learning. That's why I'm here. I want greater understanding, greater learning. That's why I'm here. Exactly. So that I can learn. Uh, not not just reading me out the cells in a spreadsheet because you could just bob me an email. Mm. And we like to bob emails, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> we do. We haven't got away from that culture yet. <laughs> no, and there is a place for it, but there's also a place for us being in front of people because we connect with other people, don't we? Connect, you know, yeah. it's all if you're speaking, something has to be better after you've spoken than it was before you started. And and you can't do that by just rattling off facts. Mm-hmm. Something is different. I might know some facts, but to be honest, I might forget them anyway. Yeah. Those facts are good. <laughs> Does that story... Say, so, I mean, I don't know if you're willing to share or happy to share some examples of a kind of story you might want to tell an audience. Well... <laughs> So, um, I'm, guessing, well, I'm guessing you're uh, like um, one of our member stories. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, there's so many. Um, I mean, I always, the one I always um, think of is we we run a stride program. It's a life skills program and uh, it runs fortnightly on a Saturday. And the first time we ran it, even myself walking into the room, I was quite nervous because I realised I had to talk to 10 members that I'd never met before and then I realized that they were going to be more nervous than me so anyhow I chatted away that's actually not the story I guess the story I wanted to tell if I was in front of a group of people is is how important a QO is to, to our members because one particular individual came to that stride session and, and couldn't stay with us without um, his mum outside in the car he needed that reassurance for the whole four hours um, it had been so long since they'd been separated following the pandemic. And, you know, by the end of that six months programme, that individual stood up and gave a speech actually at the graduation uh, ceremony. And, and we were all in floods of tears. We knew the impact that that had. In fact, we were quite emotional thinking yeah. about it. Um, the impact it had had on him and his family were, was immeasurable. Um so yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm embarrassed now, um, which I shouldn't be because I know that just being human is actually how we connect with each other. So, um, but yeah, I can come up. There's always there's always stories that like that that I see week in week out that I can you know. That's so brilliant. Articulating it is the problem when I. <laughs> but it's a brilliant story, and, you're and condensing it to a few sentences. But you articulated it really nicely there, Louisa. You didn't use... The thing is, we think when we, we're speaking in public that we have to use kind of a different language and we have to be quite formal and a right. bit posh. Do, does that does that chime with people? When in fact, what yeah, you just... It does, and I think... Maybe, well, that was easy because we're the three of... Four of us, sorry. <laughs> we're, we're combined because we're together. We're four of us and it's intimate and I'm getting feedback from you and... As we were talking about the public speaking, I had that moment of realisation of why it's so difficult 
obstacle when you're public speaking is you're not getting immediate feedback, body language, people aren't even the nod of the head. Even right. the nod of the head, right? Of that, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, you're not getting any of those. And maybe that's why it feels so uncomfortable because you don't know until the end of your presentation whether it worked. No, yeah. that's true. Whether but I think you, you have to assume that it is. I'm going to from now on. You have I'm public to. speaking properly next week, so I'll let you know, Mel, how it goes. Yeah, no, I'd be fascinated. You definitely need to make the assumption that the audience is on your side. You right. have to make that assumption. Some people's interested faces and their bored faces look exactly the same. Fine. You know, I'm be sitting there, that's me be <laughs> taking it all in. I could equally be sitting and, there. And that is uncomfortable for me. I've really realized in this moment, not getting feedback is uncomfortable for me. Yeah. But, I'm but gonna assume they're all rooting for us. <laughs> they are, they are. But you can also, I mean, that story you told there was just lovely. And you oh. got emotional and I got emotional. Oh, thank you. But you used one of the magic words. You used the word impact. And I think that's that's why we speak. We speak to make impact. And and this this young person did the same, made an impact on, on the people who were listening. You telling us that story made an impact. What do we mean by impact? It's tapping into the emotions. And so if if you want to have, you know, if you start welling up and you make us well up a bit, that's okay. And it doesn't have to be posh and formal and next slide, please, because there's nothing more boring than a bunch of slides that have got bullet points on that say everything mm -hmm. that's coming out of your mouth. There is no point, again, you being there if the words are all on the slide. Don't use it. Use yourself. Be an emotional being and make impact from on us, on our emotions by transmitting your own in a sense, which is what you did there. And you did it in a lovely way. You didn't use formal speaking language. You just talked. And that's what we want to get to in an ideal world is where you're the best you can be. You're still Louisa, you're still Amy, you're still Katie talking, but to a bigger audience, it's still you and we can see you coming through. And we did there, Louisa, we absolutely did because that story really meant something to you. Mm. And I felt that even on Zoom. And that's what I want to get when I'm listening to somebody speak. I want to feel the emotions. It's all about the emotions. Otherwise, it really is just sending an email. If you don't need the emotions, then just send me an email. But you want to tap into people's emotions. Emotions are what drive people to do things and what inspire people to do things. And, and you did that beautifully. And also it was a story about your know, confidence and speaking. And, and so it absolutely tapped into what we're talking about today. It resonated. But yeah, we don't, we shouldn't think about being formal and different. And uh, today, I hear people stand up and go, hello, my name is, and they're reading off their cards as they say, my name is, and you're thinking, really? You needed to read that? <laughs> you know, hello, my, and today I'm going to talk to you about, don't tell me what you're going to talk about, that's wasting words. Crack on with a story. I had to, um, I had a client once and uh, he wanted to give a talk. So this is a, another good example of tapping into emotions. He wants to give a talk about literacy. And the example he gave 
was that, and I can't remember the exact percentage, it was higher than you'd think, like 25% or something, of people can't read the simple instructions off the back of a packet of paracetamol. And that impacts their health outcomes because they can't read what to you and me is a kind of a basic thing. Is that adults then? Yeah, this is adults. He was talking about adult literacy. I can't remember. It was it was a it may not have been 25%, but it was a shockingly yeah. high percent. Yeah. And so what we did in the end, rather than him come up today, I'm going to talk to you about literacy. Did you know blah blah? blah. We did we did it in the rehearsal where he actually walked on with a packet of paracetamol read the instructions, put the packet down and went, 25% of UK adults can't do that. And boom, that's your impact. That's tapping into your emotions by something, by actually doing the thing. I think, my God, can you imagine what it would be like if you couldn't do that and you had just like the worst toothache ever? Yeah. Anyway, so you really want it to tap tap into people's emotions and if you have to do a big boom thing like that that's that's great come here and go hello good afternoon my name is blah 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 today i'm going to talk to you about you're already diminishing your message because we know why you're here you know you you should start with something really impactful and if i was telling your story louisa you know i'd find a way of just going straight in by by giving us some background to that story um you know how his mum was sitting in the car. We, uh, we had, um, what well, you call members is the word you use, yeah, not clients, when members. Well, it's interesting. They're young adults, actually. Um, there are different words that come up in, in charities, like members, I hate service users, but that, that is what they are. Um, yeah, so actually, he's just a young, a young person joined one of our... Yeah. our so he's just saying, a young person, I want you to picture this young person... Give us some some background. So tell us a little story to kick off the story, Peter. Mm -hmm. And then it's so give us a little little taster of what's going to happen. Then you can introduce yourself. It's like you know when you watch telly uh, or films and they have a bit of action, and then they have the opening credits. So we have a bit of action. We're like, oh, I want to know more. And you go, hello, I'm Louisa. I'm Amy. I'm Katie from Mercuro. And then you, you tell us the rest. So you've, you've hooked us in. You've hooked us in with a little story. I'm like, okay, I want to hear more. Okay, you're Louisa, welcome. Right, go, give me more, give me more. And, uh, and by doing, and it's fine to tap into people's emotions. It's fine to, to make them feel a bit sniffly. It's fine to make them laugh. It is all about emotions, isn't it? And I mean, confidence is a feeling as well. But if you can connect with people, that then you know that gives us more confidence and if you can find a way to connect with them early on and then you'll find that those feelings that we're having of you know oh gosh I'm you know my heart's racing my you know my um, hands are sweating all of that they will they will start to diminish it it takes confidence to build confidence but you have to kind of make that as Katie was saying you have to kind of make that step and you know public speaking as i say is something most people hate doing but m most of us have to do it in some co context even a job interview is a is a, a speaking situation where the person has a problem and the ie they have a gap and you can solve that problem for them 
by yeah. being the right person and you have to show your you know give you three good reasons why you're the best person for the job I think interviews are actually probably my worst <clears throat> like time for speaking because you've got to sell yourself and I cannot sell myself for anything that I think that then where the self-confidence comes in I don't have any self-confidence so trying to then sit in an interview and sell myself I can't do that I really struggle <clears throat> it's it's interesting you say um I can't you know when we say, when we say things like I can't and mm. you say it to me you're also saying it to yourself so every mm-hmm. time you say it, it's your brain, your brain kind of reinforces that. It goes, oh, yeah, yeah, Amy can't sell herself. Uh, and so what we have to do, coming back to changing the narrative, is that whole, you know, I can do this. It's like visualizing success. Um, there's a thing called mind priming, which is where when you're in a situation where you don't feel confident, you remember, you recall, it's like going through the, the sort of film index in your brain and you call up a situation in which you were successful and you remember that. So you might be sitting outside the interviewer's door and you're thinking about that time you won a trophy or that time you did the skydive or was it you thinking about a time you were successful. So you're priming your mind for success so that's one technique um you know affirmations yeah I can I was just about to say affirmations I I get my four-year-old mum my four-year-old daughter does it every morning she sits in the mirror and that is the first thing she does before she comes down the stairs is her affirmation she calls them her imaginations because she can't say affirmations better but she'll sit there and she she will say I I'm loved I'm confident, I'm beautiful. Oh. And at the end of it, she'll go, I'm going to have a good day. I'm going to smash it. <laughs> Bless her. Wow. And she's four. She's four, yeah. That's amazing. But I don't do it myself. You need to say those words to yourself. Because, Amy, you were successful very recently. Yeah, getting this job. I know. Yeah, job. yeah. yeah, yeah I, she does that every day. But, but she does say to me, Mummy, you do it now. And I'm like... I don't know what to say. <laughs> I generally don't know what to say. She'll sit there and reel all these off, and they're from off off her own back. We don't tell her what ones to say. Like wow. she's mixed, so she's mixed race, and she'll say, "I love my brown skin. I love my black curly hair." Like because they're her, I suppose. Yeah. Her unique. That's what makes her unique. And she'll say them things, but then she'll go, "Mummy, you do it now." And I sit there and I freeze. I don't even know what to say. Wow, but it's amazing that a four-year-old does that. I'm absolutely blown away by that because yeah. you know I always think this kind when you know the kind of thing I do, I would love us to be doing that in schools mm-hmm. with young kids, particularly young girls, um, because then I wouldn't be, in a sense, I work with lots of women my age, women in their thirties, forties, fifties. I'd love for that not to be necessary because we've done all the groundwork when they mm. were they were younger so your 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 daughter that generation please oh that that is the direction that they're going i'll have to take a little uh, clip of her and i'll send it over to you oh my god that's adorable yeah but you know it, it clearly work, it works for her and and yeah. she wants you to do it because she knows it works for her so those yeah. those affirmations those things you tell yourself so instead of saying i have no self-confidence you say I have got, you know, do you remember the sound of music? Julie Andrews with her guitar going, I have confidence in me, you know. That's 
you're a bit Julie Andrews about this. I have, tell yourself. The other thing um, is uh, visualization, which sports people do a lot. And so, for example, you know, a world-class tennis player will, will just, you know, with their eyes closed, visualize hitting the ball over the net. It's staying inside the line. So they're visualizing success. So you can actually visualize yourself in front of a group of people and them all applauding and go, oh, that was brilliant. So you can visualize that. You can almost conjure it up. Mm -hmm. By, by by having those thoughts in your own mind. And uh, pri again, it comes back to mind priming. Mind priming is about past successes, using mind priming, uh, using your what you've done in the past to demonstrate what you can do in the future. Whereas visualization is kind of imagining the future, but imagining that it's really good. And I, I think both of those, those have a place and they work really well and, the reason, the only reason where it won't go well is if you haven't done the preparation and you're not thinking about the audience and you're not thinking about the impact. That's why you you may have been to presentations and thought, well, that was awful, but you didn't go in thinking it was going to be awful. You your expectation was that it was going to be good, and but the speaker didn't do the job they needed to do, and the speaker as a speaker, part of confidence is understanding that. It might not go perfectly. And that's another thing we need to think about as well, because I'm sure that's what goes through most people's minds. Does that go through your minds that I've got to be perfect? Yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. 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 It, just take perfection, chuck it in the bin, okay? You might, not, you might be perfect, but you might also say, um, or lose your place or move about a bit too much. Obviously, in an ideal world, we don't want that to happen. And when you're more experienced, it won't. But just be kind to yourself as well, because confidence is come, it grows from the more you do it. So you'll do it the first time and you'll think, okay, that was okay. I, I did stumble over my words a bit and I said a couple of ums. But at the end of the day, again, the audience wants to see the real you. They don't want some robotic person just reading out stuff that is word perfect but doesn't feel like they're connecting mm. so don't worry about being perfect you watch the ted talks on youtube yes they're perfect because they've been doing it for donkey's years and they get coached they're not allowed on the ted stage unless they've gone through that you know they work with their coach and so you don't need to be perfect i think that's something absolutely we need to get ingrained into all our minds is it doesn't have to be a hundred percent perfect you want it to get there you know it's a process isn't it it's a process but it doesn't have to be a hundred percent perfect if you say the word um nobody's gonna go i'm, I'm leaving now she said um that's it i'm done yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> it's not gonna happen but the more you try to be a hundred percent absolutely oh my gosh i said um the whole thing's falling apart now you know that it will and in comedy, I think there's a there's a good analogy. In comedy, we do new material nights and work in progress shows where we know the stuff isn't ready. We know it's not a hundred percent. We're pretty sure it's not a hundred percent. But the only way to get it there is by putting it out there and seeing, oh, okay, yeah, I see how I could improve that. 
And people say, oh, being a comedian is scary. That's the scariest bit is putting stuff out there which isn't ready and isn't polished, but it's part of the process. And honestly, we're all fine at the end of it. You know, sometimes you come and you think, oh, they didn't laugh. I wish they had. You could be a bit miserable, but you have to get over that. It's um, Sarah Millican. She has this thing called the 11 o'clock rule, which I love. Do you like Sarah I love Millican? her. I love her, yeah. She's so She's funny. the best, isn't she? And she has a thing called the 11 o'clock rule, which is basically if you have a terrible gig, so if everything goes badly for you in whatever context, in her case, obviously comedy, you have until 11 o'clock the next morning to wallow in it and go, oh, it's all gone horribly wrong. But at that point, you have to cut it off and you have to get on with your life. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So allow yourself that time to feel really, oh, that was terrible. I feel terrible. Allow yourself that time. I think she says 11 a.m. because that's about 12 hours after you've got home if you've done comedy at night. So for you guys, it could be 11 p.m. if you've given a presentation or done something in the morning. And allow yourself that time, just be miserable, but then give it a cutoff. Equally, if you've smashed it out of the park and you're now saying, you know, Hollywood will be calling or whatever. Equally, stop that at 11 o'clock because otherwise you're not going to improve or get better. You've just got to, crack, again, crack on with your life. And I think that's great. I, I love that. I, I love that because I'm one for holding on to every little thing and I very much wear my heart on my sleeve and any little thing, I'm like, oh, my God. And I will remember it days yeah, later yeah. and constantly, like, relive it. So, I, yeah, I'm going to try and... Um, yeah, 11 o'clock. My other half used to say that when he got home from work, he would rant and rant and rant and then he'd ring a bell. He's like, right, that's it. No more work. Not talking about work no more. And that would be it. Because in both of our previous jobs, it was rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah, we literally there. have our little rant and then, right, the bell's rang. That's it. We're done now. That's brilliant. So, yeah, it is. It's yeah. ringing the bell. Time out. We're done. And I think it's a really good way forward. And, and as you say, what's interesting you were saying there, Amy, is that you're replaying in your mind. Now, we're talking about replaying things in our minds, but you're replaying the negative things, not yeah. the positive, because that's, our brain does that. Our brain wants to protect us. And, and what it does is go, oh, this went horribly wrong, so we won't do that again, will we? So our brain is protecting us, but what our brain is stopping us from doing is moving forward. Mm -hmm. But it thinks it's protecting us. And what it's actually doing is, is holding us back. So we have to go, brain, step aside. I'm coming through. And so this is a little bit off of public speaking, but I, I suffer with PTSD. Um, so I had a really traumatic birth for my first four and a half years ago now. And um, yeah, I have had therapy and I've done all sorts and you think the therapy's worked and then all of a sudden something will pop up and it's like, we're going back, like the brain. And I thought I, I got to a point where I could control that, but then I get to certain points of the year or certain times and it just comes back and then I find I really struggle to then replay the positives that I learned in my therapy to, to start trying to outweigh those negatives. Um, but yes, yeah, so I think sometimes with all of this as well, self-confidence, the PTSD always somehow creeps back in. And um, I feel like it's a bit of a dark cloud, like you just, the PTSD is just above me and sometimes, yeah, doesn't want to, <laughs> to go away, yeah. if you know what I mean? So and I wonder if... Mm, 
it does come I'm, I'm sure it all comes from a similar place doesn't it mm -hmm. i mean and, and it is your brain trying to protect you in, in a set in a weird sense yeah. isn't it but you have to kind of consciously. i mean i'm not a therapist but i would say you know yeah it's about consciously going i recognize that that's here but my life this isn't my life it it's doesn't what defines yeah. me isn't it and and you know there are many other things because we're all made up of different things aren't we we're all made up of different things and if we allow one negative thing to be the thing that defines us then we don't get all the joy of the positive things and sometimes that means to come back to what we said at the beginning pushing through that comfort zone and and saying well you know thank you and ringing I love that ringing the bell thing I think that's yeah. we've stopped doing it recently because I'm in a job that I really enjoy so we haven't Yay! really had to do it which is Yay, great <laughs> But I think, yeah, obviously, I really like that 11 p.m. as well. Like, even if, yeah, you feel like you've maybe had a bit of a bad day, right, okay, do you know what? Tomorrow's yeah. a new day. And exactly. You can have be, another, yeah. 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 It, and, and I think what I like about um, Sarah's 11 o'clock rule is that it allows you to have those feelings. Mm. It's not, because I think sometimes what happens is we tramp down our feelings, don't we? We say, no, I can't feel this. I can't, I, I can't. And then they just go, whoo whoosh and and sort of explode whereas she's saying feel it let it out let it better out than in and then we can get on with the rest of our lives and the rest of our day in this you know that's what that's it's good what to have a good cry sometimes i love a good old cry it's very healthy isn't it it's very healthy and my place is in the shower just let it all out let it all so if you give a talk, and I'm sure it won't happen, but if you give a talk or a presentation or you go to an interview or whatever, and it doesn't go to plan, you know, the world hasn't come to an end. It's a process. It gets easier. Each time it gets a little bit easier. The 25th time you go out and do that is much easier than the first. But you can't get to 25 unless you've done one, two, three, five. You, at some point, you have to, you know, get out there and do the first, and then, okay, didn't go to plan. A little bit rough around the edges. That's okay. We're not looking for perfection. We're looking at the steps on the journey. And, and I suppose there's that doing it every, like however many times, and then you probably notice that turning point as well. Like, oh, do you know what? Actually, something's clicked. Yeah. Today, actually, no, it it went really blooming well. Yeah. yeah, and 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 you might not even notice it happening as it's happening, and it's just yeah. afterwards you think, "What? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't feel the feelings. I felt a little bit nervous, but my hands weren't sweating. I wasn't shaking." But I, can I give you one one because I know we're going to come to, coming up to the end so can I give you one piece of advice? This is the one one piece of advice, and oh, everybody's leaned into their screens. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that 50 minutes has gone already. I know, I know. Because here's the thing, because we were talking, I know Amy specifically, I think Louisa as well a little bit about you just ramble and ramble and ramble, right? And this is this is where sometimes it comes undone. Because we think we're gonna have to fill time with silence. There's, there's some silence there, so we're gonna have to fill it with some noise. First of all, never be afraid of a well-timed pause. A pause is a good thing. I mean, if it goes on for five minutes, that's not a pause. That's a, a grinding to a halt. But what you think is five minutes is only three seconds you know, sometimes. So never be afraid of stopping. Never be afraid of a pause. But the one piece of advice I give 
everybody. If if I was if we were in a lift and you said to me, before we get to the top floor, I want one piece of advice. This is it. Keep it slow. Simple as that. If you slow down your speaking, so I'm doing it deliberately there, slow down your speaking speed, then your brain and your mouth start to work in sync. Because why we end up rambling is because we just our brain we've lost our brain it's it's way behind us it can't catch up so that's me to a team that is literally me yeah me as well <laughs> oh and then i'll sit there and i think what did i even just say like what just came out of my mouth it sounded like absolute yeah nonsense and what it does is it diminishes the actual points you wanted to make mm. because it, they're in yeah. there somewhere but they're mixed up in all the waffle. Yeah. And so what we want to do is minimize waffle by slowing right down. And if you slow down your speaking speed to roughly maybe two thirds of normal. So we usually speak about 180 words a minute. I know I do because I'm quite a fast speaker in real life. That's a lot, I know. Isn't it? it's, it's three words. 180 a second. Yeah. yeah. But if you slow it down to 120, that's still two words a second. But it's I'm really, I'm really sorry. I'm still here. Yeah, so cool. actually, <laughs> that's actually hilarious. But mine's probably double that. So it's literally. Yeah. yeah. So you really have to consciously slow down. In your mind, you'll sound like your batteries are running out. But to mm. us as a listener, you won't sound like that because our brains need to catch up with our ears. So our ears are hearing it, but our brains need to process it as well. So honestly, slowness is your best friend keep it slow and that means that you can be saying one thing and your brain is going okay i know what's coming next here it comes and it minimizes the ums it minimizes the uh all those fillers that we put in so in real life i'm a almost every other sentence i say you know you know in real life i'm a you knower but when i'm speaking i'm speaking deliberately slowly so I barely say them if at all so when you slow down all the fillers kind of move you know they drop up see I did a you know there it <laughs> drop they drop away so slow right down allow your brain to catch up with your mouth allow my brain to catch up with my ears and then you won't feel the need to keep filling the silence because you've got your three points, yeah, you've got your story structure, and you're just going to follow that story structure. So keep it slow. A pause is good because it allows the audience to laugh if you've said something funny, because you should. And sometimes, I mean, not always, but in the right context, a joke is or a humorous line is a good thing. And sometimes people need that pause because it's you saying, and now you can laugh. Or, and now you can react. If you want to shock people, you have to pause for them to go, oh, my word. You have, to, you have to keep it slow. Keep it slow, slow, slow. Keep it prepared to the minimum. As we say, if you're going to do 15 minutes, prepare 10 minutes. That allows for any hiccups with the clicker not working or whatever. But it also, nobody will ever say to you, excuse me, you only did 10 minutes and you did 10 really good minutes. But if you did 15 minutes and in the midst of that 15 minutes, they can't work out what your message is, people will remember every 15, every minute 
of that 15 minutes and think, wow, she talked a lot, didn't she? <laughs> Whereas if you talk for 10 minutes but give us good content, that, then you can ask people questions, say, has anybody got any questions for me? You can throw it out to them. It's fine to, to give less is more, less is more. Economy is your friend. Does that all make sense? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So is this going to make, make people feel like more confident speakers now? 100%. Yeah. I mean, I'm literally scheduled Tuesday to speak. I mean, so many tips I've taken. So first of all, when I've written my presentation, I've written it and then timed myself to the three minutes that I'm given. So straight away, reducing that to two, yeah. boom. I am <laughs> going to take out all the, the fluff parts um, and, and put more emphasis on the story that I've told in the middle. Um and the outcome from that story. So, yeah, stories, <laughs> stories of what people want to hear. Um, stories connect us. Stories are memorable. You can remember. I can remember. And stories are the best way to demonstrate your point. Better than facts, figures, science, all the rest of it. A nice fact. People like a nice fact. You know, seventy-three percent of us hate public speaking. But if it's just all kind of facts and figures and stuff. It doesn't really, it's too much for us to take. You're in. absolutely right. There is there is a real emphasis in charities at the moment to give facts of how many how many hours of service we've provided. But actually, I think giving one example of what that service meant to an individual is much more impactful. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, maybe yes. it's the funders who need to see the figures or, you know, councils. But actually, the individuals in a room, I think, just really want to hear that, that it's made a difference to someone's life because we are making a difference in people's lives. Every every club we hold with a Kiro. Absolutely. And and to be honest, as I say, if it's if it's about the number of hours, that can be on a little spreadsheet or whatever. It doesn't <laughs> I love that. Like... I'm gonna reduce all that to the email. Absolutely. That exactly. And, and then you can talk about the benefits, the impact, the feeling. That's mm. that's what we want to get to when we're speaking, is to get to the feelings and make mm. people feel, yes, this is a worthwhile thing. Yes, I'm happy to, to be a part of this. Yes, I want to contribute more. Yes, we need to be giving more funding or whatever. You, it, it's about the feelings and the feelings are the things that inspire people. And if you can do that, then the knock-on effect is you'll become more confident because you'll see results from what you're doing, from what the words that have come out of your mouth. And that can only give, inspire more confidence in you as well. Thank you so Thank much. You. A very yeah. timely, very timely podcast. Yes. Excellent. Well, I'm very um, there was a clean. start, a middle and an end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> beginning, a middle and an end. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you for having me. I, I know thank I can be so much more now. than anybody. I feel like we need to do a part two always. Oh, I'm happy to do it. We do need a follow-up after we've all had a go. you're okay with that. Out of our comfort zone. I yeah. think that would be a really good episode, actually, to then, because mm-hmm. um, I often do this with clients as well. When we do sessions, I often try and get them to space them out a bit so that then they can do what they're doing. You know, they want to give a presentation. And then we come back and we talk about it and, and we look at it. Or if they've got something coming up, then we can actually apply the principles to something real. So I'm very happy, you know, maybe in the autumn when everybody's back from the summer holidays. That'd be lovely. It, yeah, and it'd be nice to send out some sort of questions to people and get some answers from public and share them as well. And Let's yeah. do that. Yeah, bring yeah. it on. 
any questions they have about confidence you can help answer them if that would be okay with you that would i would be very amazing. much up for that katie that sounds like a really fun follow-up episode thank you brilliant oh, amazing and obviously you've got your own website haven't you mel byron. yes melbyron.com and that yeah. gives a little insight into the speaking courses that i do and there'll be other things going up there in the autumn so yeah i did see actually you have a laughter at work section which looks really interesting so you offer workshops you come into the workplace and yes yes yeah. so yeah I do a thing and and there's another thing that I'm just working on at the moment called work like a comedian um where we look at how the comedian's craft can be applied to the workplace so things like confidence you know getting up on stage how to be creative because uh, I know a lot of organizations that I worked in though they were in the creative industry sometimes creativity was so almost not quite frowned upon but it was like people wanted you to fit into a particular mold where you wanted to try something new and often organizations are a bit scared to try something new whereas as comedians we have to just throw stuff out there and, and if it doesn't stick it doesn't stick but you have to do all of that to find the bits that do stick and then I also talk about feelings and how we do what we do as comedians and you were talking about this Lisa, about the immediate feedback because um, as comics we get immediate feedback or we don't and if we don't <laughs> have we done the job properly so there's that and then use it yeah using humor in the workplace so I'm working on yeah things that, that help us in the workplace but by using some of the 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 stuff that I do as a comic and having worked in the workplace because I worked in publishing for many years and, and done it, it, I feel I have a foot in both camps. Mm, that's amazing. Really interesting. Okay. Thank you so much, Mel. Thank you, thank you for having me. Thank you. And thanks, ladies, for joining from the office. <laughs> thank you for having us. It's been good. Right. Thanks a Enjoy lot. It. Bye, everybody. Okay. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Akiro Out Loud. For more information about Akiro, visit our website akiro.org.uk or visit our Facebook and Instagram feeds.